Hey there, it's Liel. As you might have noticed, this isn't the usual way we kick off an episode of Take One. But before we bring in the usual music and conversation, I wanted to take a moment and pay my respects to a giant who left us last week, Rabbi Adin Evan Israel Steinsaltz. Rabbi Steinsaltz was born in Jerusalem to a thoroughly secular family. His father was a communist and an atheist, but when Steinsaltz was a teenager, he felt himself drawn to Jewish tradition and faith. He started studying at a Chabad yeshiva and he was becoming a chassid. And as he was becoming a chassid, he went to see his father to ask him how he felt now that his son was spending his days learning Talmud. The father reportedly had this to say. Son, there's only one thing I absolutely forbid you from becoming, and that's ignorant. Whatever path you want to take, bless you, as long as you study seriously and read widely and give it your all. Rabbi Steinsaltz did just that. As those who had the privilege of meeting him know, his erudition did not distinguish between the Gemara and geometry, between Rashi or philosophy, between physics or the Tanya. He was fiercely curious about the world, and he saw all of its aspects as yet another facet of Hashem's creation. It was up to us to explore deeply and understand thoroughly and teach to others. It's no surprise then that Rabbi Steinzelsa's life's work was making the Talmud more accessible. Like a modern-day Rashi, he released volume after volume of the Jewish people's greatest masterwork, first in Hebrew and eventually in English, explaining complicated concepts in clear, accessible, evocative language. It was his work that first made the Talmud accessible to me. And if you're listening to this podcast, I suspect the same might be true for you as well. As we bid farewell to Rabbi Steinsels then, let us take a moment today before we resume our daily Talmud study and feel immense gratitude for the work of this man who made it possible for so, so many of us to plug right into our heritage, to this great treasure trove of wisdom and warmth and law. Let us remember him and let us honor him not only by studying the Talmud, but by remembering that credo that inspired him throughout life, you could be whatever you want to be, but you may never be ignorant. May his memory be a blessing. Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one complete page of Talmud a day. Today, friends, we reach the end of one journey and the beginning of another, because today with pages 156 and 157, we finish Masechet Shabbat. It's been months. We have learned so much. And here to sum it up, to tell us the real meaning of this wonderful, exhilarating, complicated Masechet or tractate, is my friend and yours, Rabbi David Beshevkin. Hello. Liel, this has been such a powerful, tedious, but exciting journey to be along with you and to know that we are finishing what is really the longest tractate in terms of words in the entire Talmud Bavli 
What a great sense of accomplishment to be together through this entire journey with you. So you're telling us that it's it's all like, you know, from here on, it's smooth sailing. There will be no oh, more complicated. Oh, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> now, now, now you're done. It's a vacation from here. All right. So listen, we have spent so many days uh, and so many weeks studying this particular tractate and so many people... Uh, you first and foremost, enriched our lives and our understanding with so much wisdom about so many topics. But I want you to do something very difficult now that I know you could do. I want you to tell us what the true meaning of Masechet Shabbat is. Wow, that, that is high stakes, and it's such a privilege. I think the thing that excites me most about this project together is the opportunity to share these ideas, these thematic ideas on each tractate as I try to do uh, through essays and through our conversations together. And when I look back and reflect on this entire tractate, the place where I actually go is I compare it to the book that I read probably as a teenager that I loved a great deal, and that is Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel's The Sabbath, which is such a poetic, beautiful, loving book. And I almost begin with the question of why isn't the tractate, the Talmudic discussion of Meseches Shabbos, of tractate Shabbat, why doesn't that have the same poetic grandeur page after page. I mean, we're kind of buried in this tractate under these details, this minutia of what you're allowed to carry, what you're allowed to move, what you're allowed to bake and cook and create. And this process seems to be so tedious and it almost feels like a bait and switch because when I would read about Shabbos and experience Shabbos as a child, as a teenager, when I didn't have the responsibilities to create it, it seemed so magical and like it was like this palace in time that would descend from heaven every week. And then you actually learn through page after page, over 150 pages, and it is tedious and it is hard. And for me, I think this is the point of Tractate Shabbos. And that is, it shows you how to invest and the loyalty, the discipline, and the seriousness that you need. Almost the construction manual. You know, I think of the book, The Zen Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I love this book. So when I think of that book, it talks about... How the care of fixing a motorcycle on your own and tuning it and making sure that all the parts are working together and that it's oiled properly. That discipline and that focus is where the magic of the ride, of the motorcycle ride comes from. And I think in a similar way, Shabbos has a similar quality. That it's from the details, from the minutia, from the investment and the care that you take page after page, week after week of celebrating and learning about Shabbos that ultimately creates that rich, deep Shabbos experience for yourself and for your community and for your loved ones. And that, I think, is why Shabbos begins with that central discussion of not leaving, so to speak, you know, the opening page. It doesn't talk about preparing for Shabbos. It doesn't talk about Friday afternoon. The opening page talks about 
not leaving too far, not traveling too far. Because Shabbos is all about returning to that essential self, so to speak. And conceptually, the topic that gets the most playtime throughout this tractate is the notion and the prohibition that we discuss over and over again about not traveling too far, the need for an Erev, which we're going to get plenty more of in the next tractate, but the need to return to self. And I think that the concept of returning to self, it's not something that um, you can just flip a switch, you can snap, you can subscribe to goop, you know, like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, some easy fix. It requires the deep, intensive loyalty that the tractate reflects. And the frustrations that go into whether it's fixing a motorcycle or preparing for Shabbos. And anybody who's created a Shabbos experience for themselves knows about that frustration. That's mirrored in the tractate as well. It's not simple. It's not necessarily clear. It's complex. It's frustrating. It requires discipline and focus. But through all of those details and through all of that minutia, that's where the glorious palace in time that we experience as children, that's how we create it now as adults. I love that distinction between the child's imagination that is all, as you said, kind of a magical palace in time where Shabbat is just a special thing. Or for that matter, I mean, you could say any bit of religious or any bit of life, right? When you're a kid, everything is magic. When you're an adult, you realize for the magic to happen, there are 30,000 things, many of them, uh, you know, kind of unpleasant, laborious, uh, complicated, intricate, requiring a lot of knowledge and preparation that you have to do in order for the things to be magical. So I love your discussion of all the Talmud, but this tract in particular as kind of religion for grownups, right? An instruction or a commandment to say, hey, man, if you want this to be special, you're going to have to work. Exactly. That the the most special things in life come from discipline and investment, and that if you're there for Shabbos week after week trying to build it and pushing through and reminding, you know, I always say, if you want to learn the history of a couple, look at what they remind one another that they forgot to do on Erev Shabbos on Friday, because every (laughs) couple's got something that they forgot. And that's part of the magic. That's part of the discipline, the frustration. And it's when you zoom out over years and weeks and months of trying to build that temple with all of the difficulties that IKEA instructions have, that's when you look at what you ultimately created with that deep abiding sense of affection that Shabbos can create for yourself and for your loved ones. Amen to that. Rabbi David Bashevkin, thank you for being our guide on every tractate, but this one especially. And tomorrow, we are moving onwards to the complicated, intricate, sometimes exasperating, but always rewarding, Tractate Eruvin. Stay with us. Hadrin Allah Masecha Shabbos. We will return to you once more. Amen. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day 
a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.